Hey, everybody, glad you're here. Thank you, Chris. Oh, I'm, am I over here? Wherever the table is, they say that's where you stand. So good to see you. Good to be with you online as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining us as we worship this third Sunday in Advent. Uh, you know, I was uh, reading a recent report about depression and anxiety. And, you know, you're always in trouble when you begin the message talking about depression and anxiety when the third candle was joy. But I promise it's going to make sense. We're all going to be together on this. So in 2019, they did a comparison between 2019 and 2021, and they found that anxiety and depression had gone from 11% to 41%. Probably not surprising because in between 2019 and 21, there was a global pandemic. So we're not surprised by that. There was a 41% increase. What I was surprised by is that the younger uh, have more likely to, the younger you are, the more likely it is that it increased. So uh, 56% of those between 18 and 24 have expressed issues of anxiety or depression, while uh, 49% if you are under 49, uh, so between uh, 25 and 49. And the reasons are actually quite interesting. The reasons are uh, pandem pandemic fatigue, which I know we're not surprised by, right? Pandemic fatigue, there are those who are just demotivated uh, by following these uh, recommendations that just seem to go on and on and on, and the pandemic never seems to end. But there's also those who are struggling with those who have pandemic fatigue because they're frustrated that those with pandemic fatigue are not following the recommendations. So you see how that can work against each other. There's also issues with information overload in that our news feeds are filled with more and more information 24-7. And we're also filled with misinformation overload from our social media feeds. It's making people feel out of control, which is leading to more serious anxiety and fear and sadness and loneliness. And Christmas season, for many, already is heightened anxiety. It's already stress-filled. It's already has added concerns like inflation, and then we add to concerns like inflation, right? And then we add things like supply chain issues, and it just seems as if the stress is multiplied. So one of the things I love about the stories of our faith in the Bible is that what seems unique to the 21st century isn't always as unique as we might think, and it's as relevant, the Bible is as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. So 2,000 years ago, there were people who were struggling with the same darkness or similar darkness that we experience in the 21st century. They were controlled by the Roman Empire. At the time, the Roman Empire had uh, uh, strict military control over the entire region, a vast area. And they were taxing people excessively to keep the machine running. They had to constantly increase the taxes. Palestine, the area where Mary and Joseph's story takes place, is essentially a third world context. With 90% of those who live in that area having an agrarian culture. And they are under strict military dictatorship. And the nation of Israel is politically fractured. There are four groups of, of different groups of people who are seeking and fighting for political leadership. 
So the first 10th century is experiencing high taxes, government over, uh, oversight, political division, supply chain issues. It's much the same as the 21st century, isn't it? So there, in the midst of all of that, there's this story that takes place, and I want to read part of it to you. It says, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby. They were guarding their flocks of sheep. They were just doing their job. They're working the night shift, taking care of the sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. I want you to notice the last three stories we read, the last three weeks, there's terror in every story. Every time an angel shows up, someone's afraid. You know why? Because an angel showed up. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Luke tells us that they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. I want to focus on this next part here because this is interesting. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Why was this so exciting to the shepherds? Why was this more than just an angel sighting? Why were those who heard the shepherd's message astonished at the message they were giving about a baby being born? I would argue that it is the story of heaven coming to earth. What we just sang about, Emmanuel, God with us. That heavenly beings were choosing to engage with earthly beings. But even more than that, even more than all of that, even all that's going on around us and all that was happening in the first century, there's one more thing that I haven't shared with you. That in addition to all that was wrong with the world in the first century, God has been silent. For 400 years, God has not been heard from. 400 years. Do you recognize how long 400 years is? For us, that's 1621. How much history has happened between 1621 and 2021? I'll tell you, a lot. A lot has gone on in our world in 400 years. Imagine 400 years where God has been silent. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation after generation, God is silent. Nobody has been alive who has seen heaven touch earth in 400 years. 
400 years of silence in the midst of all that's going on, political uh, upheaval, dictatorships, military uh, 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 oversight, all the things that I mentioned, in addition, 400 years where God is not to be heard from. Oh, but they've heard the stories. I mean, they've heard stories about Abraham, and they've heard stories about Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Joshua and David, but they're only stories. They've heard the stories of the prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, but only stories. Heaven has been silent until the night of the shepherds. Then, in that moment, heaven chose to touch earth. Do you see the connection? What was experienced in the first century, the economic, the political, and the cultural uncertainty, similar to what, as in our world, we are experiencing today, what if there is even more of a connection that can be made? Let me see if I make the case for that. In the New Testament, there's a, one of Jesus' apostles, uh, Peter, he wrote a letter, and he wrote this. Excuse me. He wrote in the first, to the first century church, he said, it's not on the screen, just listen. He says, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. And, and so in other words, we as the church are more than just followers of God. We're these living stones that are being built into a temple, a spiritual temple. We, you and I, are this living temple. That may not mean much to you and me, but it meant a whole lot to the first century Christians. You see, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle is where you found God. And they know the stories that as, as Moses and the Israelites traveled around, wherever they went, they would set up camp. The first thing they would do is set up the tabernacle. And the tabernacle, rep, tabernacle represented where God was. And God stood in the tabernacle and God was present. So whenever you could see the tabernacle, you knew God was there because God was in the tabernacle. The tabernacle represented God. And then when the Israelites became a nation and they established themselves, a temple was built. David wanted to build the temple and his son Solomon built it. And the temple was where God was housed and God was in the temple. And so the tabernacle represented God. The temple represented God. And now Peter says, we, the followers of Jesus, the church, we are the living temple of Jesus the sound people said, Rick, do the excited voice that you do, and I feel like I'm doing it right now. Uh, you know, because this is exciting stuff, and if we're not amening this, man, we're missing out. That God is no longer housed in a building, people. God's no longer present in this space. God is present because of you. He's living inside of us. The presence of God, the Spirit of God is inside you and me. We don't need a tabernacle. We don't need a temple. We don't even need a church building online, folks. What we need is the Spirit of God living inside of us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Is there an amen? Huh, is that? Yeah, that's good news, isn't it? I know online you're cheering right now. I know you are. Because God's Spirit, God is inside you and me, which means that you and I, hear this, we bring God to the places of this world where God may not exist. Because God doesn't want to be housed in a building. God doesn't want to be held back by a foundation. God wants to travel with us. 
And God wants to be with us. During Jesus' ministry, he sent his disciples into nearby towns with this message. He said to his followers, I want you to go to the towns nearby. I want you to care for the people who are in those towns. And then I want you to tell them, tell them this. Tell them the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's here. The kingdom of God is here. In other words, God's reign and God's plan is present and happening. That God's desires are taking place nearby. That heaven is near earth. That God is with us. That God is nearby. So what if? What if you and I watched for heaven? What if you and I did our best to bring heaven nearby? You see, the shepherds were watching their flocks until they saw an angel. Until they chose to look toward heaven. The shepherds were looking down at the earth until they started looking toward heaven. What if we had to change our focus? What if we started looking for glimpses of the kingdom of God all around us? What if we began sharing with the world all around us and said, hey, there's heaven. I see it right there. See, if we're only watching our news feeds, you'll likely miss heaven. If you're only scrolling social media, you will miss heaven. If you're only looking at upward and downward trends of the economy, you will miss heaven. You won't find heaven in the gas prices. You may as well stare at sheep. But if we can change our focus, if we can start looking differently, we might see heaven. And we might see God in our community. Do you want to know how you see a glimpse of heaven touching earth? It's written throughout scripture. How do we do that? Uh, Wherever there's goodness in the world. If you see goodness in the world, that's a glimpse of heaven. Joy equals heaven. Love equals heaven. Peace equals heaven. The Apostle Paul said that we need to train our eyes to see heaven. He said you need to look for things like love and joy and peace. He said, look for patience and look for kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He said, when you see those things, you're seeing a glimpse of heaven. Jesus had something to say about that as well. He said that early on in his ministry, he gave examples of heaven coming to earth. He said this, he said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. And then he said, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. When we recognize our need for God, we get to get a glimpse of heaven. It's right there. He went on to say that God blesses those who mourn, those who are humble, those who hunger and thirst for justice. If we see justice, it's a glimpse of heaven. 
If we see mercy, there's heaven. It's right there. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. And those who work for peace, that's a glimpse of heaven. And then he wrapped it all up. up. Jesus said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. When you see someone doing what is right, you're seeing a glimpse of heaven. And so while this world seems dark and it seems crooked and broken, and yes, there is COVID as well, and there's social and there's political unrest and there's inflation and people are weary and people are feeling broken and spiritually empty and many are struggling, the kingdom of heaven is near. God is with us. And there are glimpses of it all around, we just need to change our focus. We need to begin to see and hear heaven. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 4. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Yeah, whenever someone says one final thing, that's always a good thing, right? So he says one final thing. This, he's ending his letter, and he says this. It's so simple. He says, fix your thoughts. In other words, Change your focus. Make this your focus. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And then he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If Paul were here today, he would say, fix your thoughts on heaven. Focus on the things of heaven. And when you see it, point to it and say, there it is. There is the kingdom. Now, maybe not in the grocery store line, do it like that. But I still think you can in your mind. And you just go, I'm watching the kingdom of God right now. When you see someone reaching up to the top, top shelf and they can't get there. And someone comes along unsolicited and says, can I help you? That is a glimpse of the heaven. That's a glimpse of heaven right there in front of it. Do you see it? This is what we strive for, men and women living together in community. This is what we strive for, the kingdom of God being declared all around us by our actions. This is what is possible, heaven coming to earth. The more we look for it, the more we will see it. Recently, a friend of mine was able to bring their preemie baby home after weeks of waiting. And he, was, he sent an email to say that he couldn't be at our small group. And he said, because my baby's coming home. And I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. That's pretty exciting, right? And in that moment, I saw a glimpse of heaven. In reading that email, you know why? Because as I read between the lines, I could hear the joy and the love and the gratitude that he was expressing. I thought, that's a glimpse of heaven right there. When we celebrate a birthday together, that's a glimpse of of heaven. Why? Because it's family and friends gathered together celebrating life. That's a glimpse of heaven right there in your home or in a restaurant or wherever it is you may be celebrating. I have my Twitter feed. If you follow me on Twitter, it's not really exciting. But if you follow me on Twitter, I have a video that I have pinned at the very top. It's two toddlers running toward each other. 
One is white and the other is black. And as they run toward each other, they hug. And then they have this little chat, and we don't know what they're chatting about. And they're toddlers, so who knows? (laughs) It could be anything. But then they go running off together down the street. And I found it because someone said, this is the kingdom of heaven. And I went, yeah, you know what it is? That is what we long for. That's what we strive for. And that was a glimpse of it. And I want to see that. I want others to see that. That heaven can touch earth right here, right now. And this is what our hearts are longing for. This is our true home. Is that we want heaven to be here on earth. Now, I know that there are some of us, and you may be thinking, who am I? I am so not qualified to be pointing out the kingdom to others. You may be thinking, I am way too far from heaven to see heaven on my own. And who am I to point it out to others? I want to challenge you. If that's you, I want to challenge you. If you've never read anything in the Bible before, I want you to read this. Go to the table of contents and find the book of Hebrews. And I want you to read chapter 11. You'll find it right after 10. (laughs) Can't miss it. All right? So I want you to read it. Hebrews chapter 11. I want you to read it. And this is what you'll see. In Sunday school, we learned this was the chapter about the heroes of faith. The heroes of faith. This is the all-stars of the Bible. Men and women of God. And you might say, yeah, you know what, Rick, as I read that, I'm making my case that I don't qualify for this. But I want you to know there's a backstory to those men and women in that story. And as you read that, you'll read about Noah, and you'll read about Abraham, and you'll read about Isaac. But I want you to know the backstory is that Noah got drunk, and that Abraham was a liar. And that Isaac was a liar as well, and that Sarah tried to outplan for God because she thought she knew better than God. That Jacob was a thief, and that Joseph was boastful at times and arrogant, and that Moses was a murderer. There's also stories in there about the Israelites, and you think, oh, the Israelites, they were God's people, except they were also idolaters, idolaters and grumblers, and they were complainers. And then you read about Rahab, and she was an accomplished liar and prostitute. Gideon, who at times was cowardly and faithless. Samson, who had serious anger issues. <laughs> and then you read about Jephthah. Jephthah was, was a bad theologian and completely misunderstood God. But yeah, he's listed in the heroes of faith. And then you'll read about David, a rapist and murderer. And then if you keep reading chapter 11, you'll get to the mic drop moment. The writer is writing and writing about all these stories and writing about all these heroes of faith and then gets to this and this writes this. It says this, it's on the screen. It's great. It says, it was because of their faith that God was pleased with them. They're all flawed. And so are you. And so are you and so am I. Every one of them, every one of us, faith-filled? Yes. And God was pleased with them because of their faith. 
This is a recap from last week. It has nothing to do with what you have done or not done. Absolutely nothing. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us and continues to do in us every day, giving us never-ending, inexhaustible grace. The only qualification is our faith. So what if, like the shepherds, we had our eyes opened to something more? What if instead of focusing on the earthly only, we began to look at the eternal? As Phil prayed, that our eyes would be open to things that are unseen. That in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, in the face of inflation and insecurity and cultural malaise, in the face of an epidemic of anxiety and depression, what if we were to go on a journey announcing the kingdom of heaven and that it's here and that God is with us? What if while we spent our time doing the things of life, we also were looking for heaven and pointing others toward heaven? Now, if you feel the world is just too dark and say, I can't see heaven in any of it, I want, to, I want us to pray for you in a moment. And we're going to pray that God will give you the eyes and ears of heaven so that you can see where and how God is moving. And that you'll be open to pointing it out to others. That you'll see it yourself. That you'll look for the possibility that heaven could be here. They just told me I went too long, but I'm going to keep going because they're going to figure out a way to turn that music off. <laughs> so if you listen closely, not only will you hear that music, but you may hear God speaking and angels singing. Huh? Yes. And if you feel like you just don't have the time, like your clock has just run out, and you say, I'm busy, I am full. Let's pray like the shepherds that the physical things of this life will be drowned out so that you, for just a moment, can see heaven. Or if you feel disqualified and you say, I am not the guy to be pointing out heaven to others. Let's pray that the flawed heroes of faith will be an encouragement to you. and hear heaven, and that, God, we would point it out. God, for those who feel as if they're missing heaven, that they, they don't, they're not qualified to point out heaven, God, I pray that they would find the grace of God in their lives. God, for those who feel that they're just, they're too busy, the life is too full, God, I pray that there would be a moment where they would be able to look up from earth and they would see heaven in front of them. And that, God, we would be the men and women who in this world where it seems as if God is silent, thus others may wonder where God is, we would be able to say that God is with us and we're pointing to it right here. Here is 
heaven. God, I pray that we would be the living temples that take God into the places where God doesn't exist. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great day. Have a great day.